Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield here with you guys. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. We got a great show for you guys, as always. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKings YouTube live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, as well as DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+. Plus. Uh, Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, is going to join us today, break down a little bit more of what we saw in week one in the NFL. Uh, but, Dad, Jesse, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what we just saw as last night, we had Monday Night Football opening up the season, and I don't know if I can remember more pomp and circumstance around the start of an NFL game. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets taking on the Buffalo Bills in a division game to start the season. All of the hopes and dreams that the Jets had built up, all the hard knocksing, all of the stories, all of the smiling faces around Jets camp on offense for people that are seeing the light that is getting to play with a Hall of Fame quarterback. And dad, four plays into the game, it is all over. As now it is feared, Aaron Rodgers has ruptured his Achilles tendon. Uh, the reports out of Jets camp are that is the exact fear, and they fear it may cost him the season. And dad, I'm not going to lie, one of the first people I thought of was you. As we tried to look around and figure out who could understand what had to be going through the minds of Jets players, coaches, and fans as they watched and feared that their entire season might be over before it even got started. Yeah, I'll, I'll do this quickly because we need to be in the now, but you want to talk about people who know this pain. 1991, our Philadelphia Eagles, We were that was projected to be our year. We had had the best defense in the league. We were going to have it again. And we thought with the offense, you know, we had Randall Cunningham at quarterback, that this was our year to go all the way to the Super Bowl. Game one at Green Bay, Bryce Pop hit, and I'm not, I'm not saying it was a dirty hit, but ended up hitting Randall low, hit him in the side of the knee, blew his knee out. And we knew it right when it happened. Just like when you saw this play, you kind of thought, uh-oh, the same thing. Mike, we all stood on that sideline as a defense, and, and I can't say what we said. Um, we were just in stunned disbelief of what just happened game one into what we thought was going to be our year. We then went through Jim McMahon, Jeff Kemp, Brad Gable, and Pat Ryan. Pat Ryan, who we pulled off a construction site to start a Monday night game against Washington, of which he got destroyed in the pocket, not stunningly so. And we obviously, the season did nothing for us. So 
I know exactly from the player's standpoint that feeling of hope that this is our year and to see it all go to ashes in game one. Because make no mistake, it has gone to ashes in week one. I mean, we, you can, and Jet fans and players, listen, I know they're going to have the confidence, say, okay, Zach Wilson's going to be the guy. They're going to have to go get another quarterback as well. So we'll talk about that because they end up winning this game, which becomes yeah. secondary. But oh, we will way. talk about that. Yes. By the way, they win this game on a punt return touchdown in an overtime that should have had a penalty in it and made the Jets work a little more for a game winning field goal. But again, we'll get to that. But now, I mean, it's it's basically done. A great defense, which showed up last night, to now uh, on the other side mirrored with what is was going to be a better high-scoring offense, gone in four plays. Three dropbacks, all three times Rodgers ended up on the ground. The last time was for good. And he, How about when he stood up, though? When he stood oh, yeah. up, he even in my, his mind, he had to be going, no effing way this just happened. Like, like, there's no way. And then he sat back down, and, and that was it. That was it. Four plays in, as you mentioned, all the pomp and circumstance, and it is done. Because make no mistake, his Achilles is gone. He is gone for the season. So they are now trying to figure out what other quarterback they're going, they're going to bring in. Yeah, and, man, I, I can't imagine all the conflicting emotions. Because like you mentioned, they oh. won. They won this game yes. in the most dramatic fashion possible. And you saw all of the joy and elation. And I saw Diana Rossini over at The Athletic tweeting about Rob Sala and his post-game press conference and how you could see him actively coming down from the adrenaline rush and sort of realizing the grim reality of this situation for this team. Here was Rob Sala after the game, the Jets head coach, talking about Aaron Rodgers' injury. Personally, I don't hurt for me. I, I don't hurt for our locker room. I hurt for Aaron and how much he's invested in all of this. Um, you know, so I, I'm still going to say a prayer. I'm still going to hold out hope. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, my, my heart's with Aaron right now not, and nowhere else. We knew he was out, and uh, and when they told me what they think, just, just recalling the look on Aaron's face uh, before he went and took his knee, pretty much knew in the first half. So, Dad, I, I mean, starting with Aaron Rodgers – this is also devastating for him with all the yeah. things. We saw what a renewed lease on life in his career he had had since coming over to New York. We saw the joy. We saw how much he was enjoying this new challenge. And now as a guy who's 39 years old and potentially just ruptured Achilles, we could also be talking about the end of his career. That is not something you take lightly with a player that is as old as Aaron Rodgers is at this point. And so that's a something I think also at a later point we might have to grapple with. You hope to see him have the ability to try and come back on his own terms and do it. But again, at that age, that becomes a really difficult prospect. You know, there were there were parts of me that when he went in for the x-ray, I was hoping it would come back that he cracked his ankle or something. Because yeah. I'd rather have that than a torn Achilles. That was the worst fear that it'd be a torn Achilles. And then, again, it's so true. I mean, he's been through a lot. He, now, he hasn't been injured a ton, but he's been injured some. But this, at 39 years old, the rehab involved in coming back. Now, again, if we start to pin, spin it forward, he's got the entire season to start rehabbing, the whole offseason, if he's going to come back. Because, he not, remember, we redid that deal for a, a two years now. So will he want to come back or will it be too much? Now, what happens a lot of times with players who have the, the choice, you know, there are players who get hurt and the teams don't want him back and they move on. I would imagine the Jets would if he's going to heal up. 
And a lot of times what athletes will do is say, I'm not, this is not how I'm going out. I remember a guy, a guy like, like Charles Barkley who sure. had got hurt and said, I'm coming back. I'm not going out this way. And again, you have to be a player where somebody wants you to come back and such like Aaron, where he may say, this is not how my career ends. I'm going to rehab. I'm going to come back and I'm going to play and I'm going to go out on my own terms. I could very easily see Aaron Rodgers have that mentality because he's got a lot of time now um, as we start to look at the reality of this. If it is torn completely, getting the surgery, starting the rehab, and then see what you have next year and see what this team does, see what Zach Wilson does. I, I There will be those that say, well, maybe Zach will have a great year and he'll want to be the quarterback. Don't know if that's going to happen. Time will tell. But, boy, I tell you what, are they? And that team should be real ecstatic, and we talked about it when it was going on, that they got Dalvin Cook because they're going to have to rely on that running. And Dalvin Cook actually had more touches than Brees Hall, even though Brees Hall made the most of his as we start to talk about this game with uh, you know, the 80-some yard run. He had a couple of big runs, 127 yards overall. But Dalvin did have more touches than Brees. So you have that two-headed monster in the backfield, and you're going to need that because – the one thing we said was a constant, this defense is great. Five sacks, nine quarterback hits, three interceptions uh, later. They they were fantastic last night. And even, even with Aaron Rodgers, I had said, you're going to ride your defense. They're going to keep you in all the games. And, and that's exactly what happened last night. Their defense did. And on the other side, jo you know, Josh Allen, three interceptions of the same guy, drops a fumble, a snap right into his hands. Uh, that lets the Jets go down for a for a, a field goal. I mean, it was it was not pretty on the other side for Buffalo either. No, we'll talk about Buffalo in a little in a little bit here. We've got time to kind of get to Josh in that situation. You mentioned though what they'll do to try and you know offset this. Zach Wilson, fourteen to twenty-one for one hundred and forty yards. Brees Hall, like you said, went crazy coming back from an ACL tear. Yes. By the way, ten carries for one hundred and twenty-seven yards, an eighty-three yard long. It's a poor silver lining, but he looked phenomenal. Yes, he did. Very fast and very healthy in this game. The Jets' defense had five sacks, three or nine quarterback hits. And how about this from Jordan Whitehead? Three interceptions already triggered a $250,000 bonus in his contract wow. that was supposed to be there for the season, and he hit it game one of the year. And Xavier Gibson goes for just the third overtime punt return touchdown in NFL history, joining Pat Peterson and Tamar Vanover. So you had all of that, Dad, happen yeah. in the background yeah. of the game. And still, everything you just said about the Jets' defense— 100% true. They're not winning a damn thing of value without Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. This team went from being a Super Bowl contender to now there is no, I mean, even with what they might be able to cobble yeah. together, their Super Bowl dreams are now officially, I think, after week one, gone. And that's a sobering reality. Yeah, I, I agree with you, because let alone how stacked the AFC, but right in that division right there. Uh, yeah. how, how tough it is. And I agree because I talked a lot about when Brady moved to Tampa Bay and they won the Super Bowl. I said they wouldn't have gotten to the Super Bowl without their defense, but they're not in the Super Bowl for the entire right. year and doing <laughs> what they do without Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but they worked in unison, in, in harmony together. And now you don't have that anymore. So I agree with you. You know, we, we, we the the Jets coaches are just going to throw nothing but praise at Zach Wilson. And, you know, I never wish bad on a player. I hope Zach Wilson comes out and does it incredibly well. But I think you're going to get Zach Wilson performances. You're going to get pretty good, 
pretty bad, threw a bad interception last night. Now, now again, Aaron was working with all the receivers, especially the new receivers on this team. So that's who the new receivers are used to, and then Zach had to go in. Um, so we'll we'll see. But, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that hope for the playoffs and Super Bowl is over, even though he does have some weapons to throw to and you have that great defense. I mean, I just think it's going to be so, so difficult uh, for them. I mean, well, it, it, think about think about their schedule. I mean, yeah. they're at Dallas, home to the Patriots, home to the Chiefs. I mean, that's their next three games, and they're at the Broncos, and then they play the Eagles. I mean, it is a difficult schedule that as much as they're going to want Zach Wilson to be the guy, I just don't think he's going to be the guy enough to offset you know, what they lost in Aaron. And remember, Zach Wilson's also been taking backup reps with a coordinator right. that's new for him, too, right? I mean, that's been a big change this year. So it's not even like he gets the benefit of being a guy right. in the building who is used to that system. That brings us to the point, Dad, what the Jets try and do here. I made the joke that everyone was kind of hinting at about the Jets are now the golden bachelor going out to potentially woo the <laughs> services of Philip Rivers or Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or any of these old quarterbacks, Carson Palmer, who's somewhere right now working out in multiple pairs of issued gear. And those are certainly names that are sitting on the street. Oh, that, that's thought of Car Carson, Car Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, excuse me. Yeah, God. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Carson Palmer, please, God, we're not going to go back yeah. that old. But, <laughs> we're not going back that far. But, Dad, I mean, you look at all those and you look at the realities of the Jets' offense we talked about, you're not going to put any of those old statue quarterbacks behind this Jets' no. offensive line and expect this to go out and work here. So uh, what do you do? Do you try and go out and trade for a Teddy Bridgewater, a Jacoby Brissett, a Jameis Winston, all backups in the NFC somewhere and see if you can pry them out of another team's locker room for this season? Because you have to act in desperation. Yes if you're the Jets team that has already pushed all your chips into the middle of the table for the next two years. Listen, and, and that's what we did in 91. I mean, as now we had Jim McMahon as the most constant there with 11 starts, but we tried, as I said, Jeff Kemp, Brad Gable, Pat Ryan. I mean, you were we were searching anywhere for a quarterback, and that's what they need to do because on the practice squad, they have Tim Boyle. Well, he's not going to, you know, all of a sudden be the counted on backup behind Zach Wilson. They have to get a veteran quarterback that can come in and learn. And your point is well taken with that old line. It would much rather be a quarterback that can move a little bit because that, that, that guy's going to take some hits, uh, whoever it is, if it's a statue back there. So, yeah, I mean, they had the between coaches and management, they have to be scouring. I bet they started last night in trying to figure out where they could go. And, you know, you mentioned some the, the guys you mentioned with Bridgewater and Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, all NFC guys, um, you know, uh, to try and grab somebody. But they're they're going to have to for the survivability of this year. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL analyst and former NFL front office member with the Jets, said, here's what I would do now. And he mentioned some of the same names we did, but also said the first thing I would look into is looking into a trade for Matt Stafford or Jameis Winston. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to throw enough 
Or I don't know, I should maybe say that a franchise in the Rams that has traditionally been a bleep them picks franchise might be looking at life a little bit differently now, but coming off a renewed performance from Matthew Stafford in game one and what I'm sure they feel in the building about him right now, dad, that would have to be a healthy package to pry a quarterback of that caliber out of that Rams organization. If they were, if you were able to convince them to just hit full reset on this thing. Yeah, because remember, they have like the youngest team in the NFL and, and according to Stafford's wife he didn't know a lot of the names of the players anyway so you just go to another team where you have to learn all the names of the players because you're older and they're younger but that would be have to be a heck of a package right and they already you know you traded for Aaron Rodgers I mean you what, what kind of assets are you going to give up I I do not see that happening especially after how good they look in week one this is a team that says you know they went for it by doing all the things they did to be in a position where we thought they wouldn't be very good and yet here they are at least in week one with a nice win over Seattle. So I I don't see that happening at all, but that's that's the thought process thing. No call is is a wasted call, right? No. For for the Jets. I mean, call with intent everywhere. Now, you have to have in the back of your mind, you are desperate for a quarterback. You are trying to get a quarterback if you're going for a trade for another team. So you're going to get fleeced a bit, right? I mean, they're yeah. going to the teams are going to ask for a lot. And you're in a bad position to say no. They can just say, okay, uh, lose the number, hang up, you know, and be done. Or call back when you're serious about an offer. So they have to be willing to give up a decent amount uh, to get a quarterback in. And every team knows that. But they have to do it. Yeah, they they are. They're, they're committed at this point. And I saw Michael Lombardi make the note that because of the structure of the deal with the Packers where Aaron Rodgers had to play over 65% of snaps for the compensation going back their way to include the Jets' first-round pick. Now the Jets are going to retain that first-round pick, so they've got that to party with and are going to give that second-round pick to the Green Bay Packers instead now. You're right. Absolutely. You can't win if you don't play when it comes to a guy like Stafford would pick up the phone and do it. This screams Jameis Winston or Jacoby Brissett, who remember played some really good football for Cleveland last year instead of Deshaun Watson right now. And so I think very much could be a live dog. But at the end of the day, if it is south of someone like a Matthew Stafford, expectations getting downgraded massively. So We'll wait and see if any more news shakes out with this, Dad. On the other side, you mentioned Josh Allen in this game. Three interceptions and a botch snap. Led the NFL in turnovers last year and has now led the NFL in turnovers since entering the league in 2018. Does that backdrop make you feel better or worse about what we saw to Josh Allen last night? Because it's technically not out of character for he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, but unfortunately they have fallen short in their expectations and turnovers are a big reason for it. So while they'll still be one of the better teams, the goal is the Super Bowl. And you turn the ball over like that, you ain't getting there. You know, listen, this was week one. You got 16 more games, but the playoffs, that makes you go home. So no, the penchant for turnovers, while you could still have a good year because you have good players around you offensively and defensively, you're not going to get where you ultimately want to get if you're turning the ball over that much. And they know it. Josh Allen knows. Josh Allen squarely put that loss on his shoulders last night. He said, we lost because of me. Three picks, the fumble, again, right in his hands. And and get, kudos to the Jets. I mean, I, I can't even – well, I, I, I guess I can. I can't imagine what – what you go through when you have all that belief built up and it's gone in four plays, but you know, you that, that's the thing about it. You know, you still have a game. Here's the, here's the, and you know, this too, Mike, 
here's the the weird side of football. We, I just can't think of a better word. Next week, Aaron Rodgers is going to be forgotten for the Jets this year. Because if you aren't on the field, if you aren't in the locker room, if you aren't on the practice field helping your team, you become a ghost. And while Aaron Rodgers will never really be a ghost because his presence is his presence, he cannot help this football team anymore this year. So he basically is going to be an afterthought, and all resources go into Zach Wilson right now in helping him be the guy to lead this team. That's just the reality of the league. You get hurt, you go by the wayside, you become forgotten. And for Josh Allen on the other side, he joins three of the other best quarterbacks in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes, who threw his first ever week one interception in his right. career. Joe Burrow, who threw for the fewest yards in a game in his career so far. True. And now Josh Allen with that night. They're going to look to bounce back. But coming up next, so is Team USA. Why I am inspired by the response to a setback for USA basketball. Next year on Gojo and Golik. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great with convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to Seed.com slash Gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 SO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. Germany are the champs, okay? They won the FIBA World Cup, taking down Serbia. It is their first uh, World Cup title, okay? Before, its top showing in the event was a bronze at Indianapolis in 2002. So Germany coming out on top. With gold, silver goes to Serbia, bronze goes to Canada. And guys, a note here for Team USA. They have failed to medal in its second consecutive World Cup. The first time that has happened since 1970. Now, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to the rest of the world, but... This is supposed to be our thing, and to watch it go that bad, and quite honestly, the one that stings me the most is Canada. Like, Canada? Canada? Yeah, yeah. question mark. Canada? They, do they even play like, basketball? Oh, oh, wow. I mean, like, hockey, like, I, I get it. That one's going to be a 50-50 draw. 
you know, lacrosse, we're going to give that one to y'all every once in a while. But basketball sure. in 2023, this is how we're going to live right now? No, absolutely not. I'm deeply so, disappointed. So this is this is kind of the way it's gone for USA basketball, right? Remember, they didn't allow professionals to play for a long while. I think in 1989, they modified the rules. We dominated well before that. And then in the 80s, from the amateur side, we weren't the best anymore. It was the Soviet Union, Yugoslavia, that was the best. And in 89, FIBA modified the rules and allowed uh, NBA players and enter the dream team, the greatest team ever assembled, right? We smoked the Olympics there. And so this is what we do. We bring in the big guns, we win, and then we kind of get, you know, lazy about it. And some of the big guns don't come anymore, you know, in the games. And then the, the 2004 Olympic team, depleted by a number of withdrawals, lost three games, got the bronze medal. So you get you get that feeling of yes, we have to come in and show we're the dominant we're the dominant country. We do that, and then those guys kind of drop off. We get other pros in there, but not the top ones. And then we start losing, and then we reload, and then we start losing, and that's where we are again, right? Yeah. We start to we start to lose again. We we lose in this one, losing in the medal game to Canada. And all of a sudden, it's like all the great players are like, no, 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 no more of this. Time to show we're the dominant team, guys. You know, let's let's all get together. You know, uh, let's let the superheroes, the Avengers, are coming back together to show. And they will if all those if all those guys show up on Team USA, they will smoke everybody, right? I mean, I, I understand the world has gotten a lot better, and we have some of the greatest basketball players in the NBA are from around the world, not from this country. So it, it won't be like the dream team where Angola was taking pictures with Charles Barkley and those guys during their ass whooping, you know, because they were getting beat by the greatest team ever assembled. So, but they'll, they'll, they'll get back in order, but this is just another one of those circular, circular event guys where we don't, we have the lesser players there. We get beat. We say, okay, time to reestablish our dominance. And you know what? I appreciate that it matters enough to the guys involved to where this does tick them off. Like, we've talked a lot about Adam Silver's midseason tournament and how to inspire strong feelings about regular season basketball in the middle of everything. And I said the last time we talked about this, if you had a, a you know uh, NBA champion versus the world basketball game, you've got enough real feelings wrapped around the flag and our position towards the rest of the world that came up with the Noah Lyles World Championship comments here to where this actually makes guys look up and go, oh, no, no, this is our thing, and you're not going to come over here and take it. Because now, to Dad's point, Jesse, we do have LeBron James as Captain America at the end of Endgame with the on-your-left cap as all those portals are about to open and some of the best NBA superstars are about to walk through. Yeah, LeBron is at home texting away. You know he, you know he's creating group chats right now, um, going crazy. He's recruiting people uh, for the Paris Olympics, okay? So look at these names. We got Curry, we got Durant, Davis, Tatum, Green. So he's he's working along here. He heard Noah Lyles. Some of these guys went on Twitter and had something to say to Noah Lyles after that incident. They see what has happened at the FIBA World Cup, and now they've decided that they got to come together. And who doesn't want to go to Paris? So it sounds like LeBron is getting the boys together for a little trip to Paris. See, Dad, this to me, guys the more I hear it, because especially involving Paris, and I don't know why that setting, it seems more like a heist movie than <laughs> Avengers. 
Ah. It seems like LeBron James is putting together a crew for one last job. Because make no mistake, Tom Brady is more George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven, where I don't know how much of the hands-on work he's necessarily going to do on this team at his big age by the time we get to that Olympics. And so he's putting together a team of very capable super thieves that are going to go in and steal this gold medal from the Paris Olympics. Dad, I would pay good money to see that heist movie with the names that we're talking about here. I don't know if it rivals the dream team with this roster because, again, we're accounting for age and all this and the place that LeBron James and Kevin and Durant are in their career, but him and Steph Curry and a number of others, if you can get some of the young guys too, like Jason Tatum and company in here. And they're even talking about having to go in and recruit Joel Embiid, who's got dual citizenship with the U.S. and Cameroon, to try and get back on the team. You put that group of monsters together, it's yeah. going to be some skulls cracking over there. Yeah, it really is. And again, it's been the back and forth, right, of, of this team and dominant. You know, they failed to win a medal in the 2002 FIBA World Championships. The 2004 Olympic team uh, lost three games on its way to the bronze medal, a record that represented more losses in a single year in the country's Olympic teams had suffered in all the previous Olympics combined. So uh, then, they, then they won the first seven games at the 2006 FIBA World Championships before losing to Greece in the semis. 2008 Olympics, they won again. Olympics, they've usually been good. You know, every, every very occasionally faulted, but for the most part, been good. But then as of late in the FIBA World Championships, obviously in 2019, the World Cup, they finished seventh. After Coach K stepped down uh, coaching the Olympic team, this team started to falter a little bit. Uh, they did avenge a loss in, in 2020 Summer Olympics, beating France in the final to get a gold. So, again, up and down, but down enough at times to where you do get the top players in the league at the time, like this time LeBron saying, guys, let's go, let's go show the world what we're going to do. And and it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen all the time. It, it'll never always be the top players all the time because they'll win, they'll say we're the best, and then they'll say – ah, you know what, I don't feel like going this year. I don't feel like going. Then two or three guys will say that, and you'll fill the roster with NBA guys, but NBA guys that are a little less known, and then with the competition being so much more better around the world, we end up losing before everybody's eyebrows go up and say, oh, hell, we better get back after this thing again. And when it's in Paris and you can have a bunch of chocolate croissants while you're doing it, why not? Well, yeah, I mean, and the we wine. know most of these guys yeah. are big wine guys. Yeah, oh, that's, right. I mean, that's really, I think, what yep. the, the game LeBron is yep. playing here. And that's why you saw, I don't know if you guys saw this in the report, but this made me chuckle because obviously we talk about all the names in here, right? Uh, you know, Steph Curry and Draymond Green both play for Steve Kerr, who's currently Team USA Basketball's right. head coach. They said they want to play with their guy. LeBron James, obviously going to recruit Anthony Davis, his teammate, as well as Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Draymond Green. And then in the report, by Brian Windhorst, it also said Chris Paul, who won an Olympic gold in 28 and 20 and 2012, is also considering another Olympic run. And I looked at that one and I go, they're not going to pick up Chris's call at this point, are they? No. Like oh. the Chris Paul that we've got right now is not the same potent Chris Paul that we have seen in years past what? and feels like, yeah, you know what? I'm friends with LeBron. This might work out if I just go ahead and make sure I get this out early. But you know what? I, I think the, the, the roster will see, be so deep that you can have a Chris Paul on that roster. Not one of your main guys. Because you go back to, to the, the Olympic team, some of the stars on that team were older guys. Just the rest of the players around the world weren't very good. I mean, it was still the dream team. And still some of the – I think there were 11 players from that team in the Hall of Fame and three of the coaches in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but some of them were older players. Some of those stars were older players – 
uh, that that you could afford to have on the team because it was so good and the competition wasn't as good. The competition is better now, but you read off the names of those guys who would be the main players. I think you could definitely afford to have Chris Paul on that team. He just won't play as many minutes, but it's a monster a name. They're friends with them. They're they're you know fellow wine drinkers with them. So I mean, well, Jesse, LeBron, as far LeBron yeah. is friends with him. I don't know how the rest of those guys feel well, about Chris Paul. As we've seen, he's somewhat of a divisive character in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, maybe LeBron just does it to be controversial. I mean, they need someone to go over there and hit testicles for him overseas. <laughs> oh, next, though, we'll try wow. and figure out the best of the rest from week one in the NFL with our superlatives here on Gojo and Golan. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. All right, guys, week one of the NFL season is done and dusted, so it's time to hand out some superlatives to the class. Fellas, you're going to go through, hand out your week one superlatives, okay? We're going to start with best rookie performance. Gojo, who do you have? Yeah, Dad, as we look around at some of the things that we couldn't get to coming off this weekend, this one stuck out in a big way. Jalen Carter opening up a whole can of whoop-ass in game one against the Patriots for the Philadelphia Eagles. I saw Chris Long talking yesterday, a guy who certainly knows his way around Eagles camp, saying there were a lot of people telling him Jalen Carter looked like the best player on that defense during training camp, and he went out there and responded in kind. Six pressures in the first game, including a sack late in the game that helped the Eagles clinch that victory, and you saw so many of the same things. I saw a highlight of him, I think, on that sack, he hit the offensive guard with the same club and swim that you saw him destroying SEC right. defenders with in college. It's transferred over almost immediately, Dad. We know the off-the-field concerns that tanked some of his draft status in the first round, but I have to imagine a team like the Seattle Seahawks that had an opportunity to take him at the top of the draft, looking at their pass rush now after not having done that, is already filled with a little bit of regret. Yeah, and listen, we expected him to be great. First-round draft pick. I know he had a little baggage, but came out and did what he's going to do. I'm going to go with a guy that maybe the expect people didn't even know who he was because he was undrafted, undrafted free agent out of Stephen F. Austin. And Xavier Gibson, he's the kid last night who returned the punt for the touchdown in overtime for the Jets' victory. Nobody knew who this guy was. Gets the punt, starts right, goes left, gets a block. You know, from Chaz Sherratt, that unfortunately was an illegal block, but he didn't care. Oh, He's you're running one of those. You're going to try and bring up the penalty in this cool moment here. Well, no, I mean, it's just the reality. It was a penalty, but because it didn't get called, it wasn't a penalty. So 
kudos to Gibson. I'm still giving him the award for this. And a guy out of nowhere that people probably had to look up who the hell he was gets the walk-off win for the Jets. So I'm giving him uh, my best rookie performance. Again, just the third ever overtime punt return touchdown in NFL history the dude's a part of and I think as an amendment to the NFL rules if you lose your starting quarterback who's a future hall of famer who you mortgaged your future for and built your entire offseason around and made the star of hard knocks you should be allowed one leg whip during the course of a game that's just me that's just how <laughs> okay. I get down but Jesse I feel like that should be a law you know what we can we can see if we can push that uh for you how about a relaxed performance here? So basically, like, don't overreact about this team that maybe didn't have a great week one showing. Yeah, the R-E-L-A-X, unfortunately. Right. We had this category picked before the Aaron Rodgers injury news, but shout out to him on the old prophetic uh, press conference with the uh, Packers. Dad, I think the three candidates for this would have to be the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs, right? Yes, when you yes. look at these teams, and I think for me, the Bengals are the ones that I look at and am the least worried about right now, given the order of events. For the Chiefs, I do think it gets worked out, too, because Travis Kelsey coming back helps a lot in this offense. The Bills are going to be interesting. But for Bengals fans who ever thought there were people that doubted Joe Burrow or thought less of him relative to the conversation of Patrick Mahomes and the rest of these great quarterbacks... Joe Burrow came out in game one and threw for 83 yards in a division game against the Browns. And our collective response as a nation has been, oh, yeah, he'll figure it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, that's how highly we think of Joe Burrow. So I think all three of those qualify. I think Buffalo's got a few more existential problems because these are things that have popped up in the past relative to Josh Allen and some of the turnovers. But Overall, I think we're reminded more than ever that weeks one through four in the NFL right now really feel like an extended dance mix of the preseason. Completely agree. And you mentioned the teams that, that would be here. And I'm going to go with Kansas City because they've already, you know, rectified one of the situations. Chris Jones is back, even though yes. we didn't think he got a lot of leverage after the first game because the defense played pretty well. But he's back. You know Travis Kelsey is going to be back. His injury is not going to keep him out that long. So they're going to have their second and third best player on the team back. And you still have Patrick Mahomes. So that one of those three, I, I was going to – Cincinnati is, is one to go with like you did. But I, I'll go with KC for those reasons. Yeah, that's a great point. The Chris Jones deal, by the way – one year, uh, no added years on the contract, right. reworks the deal for this year with incentives that are supposed to increase the dollar amount on that contract. Dad, it does feel like the Chiefs, you know, if, I, I hate doing winners or losers here, but it seems like the Chiefs are going to come out of this in a much more advantageous spot than Chris Jones, unfortunately, after one week who gets no added security on this deal for him, which is the goal. If you're trying to sit out games, you would think in theory you're trying to add years and meaningful guaranteed money to this deal, and it just does not seem like he was in a position to capitalize on that at the end of the day. This is the Saquon Barkley deal without the franchise tag, right? Yeah. Do the one-year deal, add some incentives. For Saquon, it was on the tag. And for Chris Jones, it was just to get him back. Because he knew he needed to get back. He couldn't – he was maybe coming back week eight because you have to get X amount of games in for the year to count. But, man, you come back in week eight, you're so susceptible to some soft tissue injury. So this is a win to get him back on the field. Certainly a win for Kansas City. And Chris Jones is hop hoping a win in the long term. All right, guys. All right, Jesse, what do we got next? Yeah, how about most impactful injury that is not Aaron Rodgers, okay? Yeah. You can't go with Aaron Rodgers. We all know that's the most impactful injury. Got to pick someone else. 
All right, yeah, no, the uh, the the obvious winner there, unfortunately, for Jets fans who are far too used to this. Dad, I'll go Austin Eckler. Suffered an ankle injury in the second half of that game for the Chargers in a shootout against the Miami Dolphins after an unbelievable outing there. Uh, he went off in that game, had 20 carries, uh, 20 touches for 164 yards and a touchdown on 41 snaps. And it seems going to be an integral part of that offense. We know game script wise, Kellen Moore and company certainly wanted to take advantage of the matchup they had there, but we know what he does for them in the past game. We know what an explosive weapon he is. And we talked with him himself about the perception should be what you are to an offense, what you are as a weapon, not just the position. That's a big blow for a Chargers team that's still looking to see the best days of their offense ahead of them. I am going to go with Cam Hayward from Pittsburgh. I mean, we saw uh, even a a better defensive player in T.J. Watt last year when he got hurt and missed a lot of time. And Pittsburgh, I still think, is going to rely heavily on that defense. Hayward gets a groin. He's going to miss some weeks. He may go on IR, which would cost him four weeks. He may not, so they're still evaluating that. But this guy has been a just an absolute anchor for this Pittsburgh defense for so many years. So to miss him on that defensive line, I think, is something that's definitely going to hurt, especially on the side of the ball where they need to be consistent. Now, at least with both of these injuries, not season enders, right? For uh, Austin Eckler right. especially, his status for this week is uncertain right now, according to Adam Schefter yesterday on Twitter. And so... There's still opportunities, but week one, those are things you'd hate to see linger for two players that, like we mentioned, are integral to their team success, Jesse. Yeah, okay, so guys, we probably have time for about one more, so I'm going to let you pick which superlative you want to go with here. All right, why don't we go with the hot mic moment of the week here. Dad, this uh, Seahawks-Rams game, which we will discuss more with Mina Kimes at the top of the next hour, had one of the most incredible moments in the NFL in week one. Did you see and hear Geno Smith under duress with Aaron Donald bearing down on him, all of a sudden blurt out, oh my God, as any of us would in the same situation? Oh, I I thought it was fantastic. I think this is an easy choice uh, for for a hot mic moment of the week. I mean, to to have that reaction on the pro level, when these are your peers, guys you're playing against, that's when you find out there are still levels on the field and a hierarchy of greater players on down when you see that guy coming at you and have that kind of reaction. That was priceless and and so truthful, just such a genuine reaction to this man bearing down on you. Did you ever hear something like that on the field? Like, I can't remember a moment where I actually heard like an oblique. The only thing I can remember is my high school quarterback, Dean Spence, when he would juke guys in the open field, I would be near him and you could hear him yell, whoop. He was like Chris Berman just yelling, whoop, as soon as he would really? like, arm over or run past a defender in the open field. I don't know if you had anything similar. No, I, I have never heard anything like that. And you would think I would have heard some old lineman say some bad words when Reggie White was tossing him, hip tossing him, you know, at some point. But uh, you don't get a whole lot of hot mics out of the offensive line. Uh, so, no, I never heard it. And I and I would have been able to because there was a lot of quarterbacks getting hit on my years between Clyde and Jerome and Reggie. But I never heard anything like that. I mean, it wasn't a hot mic on the field, but I think every mic in the stadium still picked up. Super producer Brandon Newman's mother, Celine, the Notre Dame spring game circa 2009 as I gave up the sack to Brandon that's my baby (laughs) screaming down from the crowd all right uh stick with us here more Gojo and Golik coming up after this the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA 
With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield here on the DraftKings Network. And... Uh, Dad, Jesse, the world of college football has been dealing with one of the uglier headlines we've seen so far this season in the last number of days as Michigan State head football coach Mel Tucker was announced would be suspended while the university completes an investigation into claims that he sexually harassed a prominent sexual assault awareness speaker and survivor, Brenda Tracy, after she was hired to address the Spartan team. Dad, Brenda Tracy, who was herself a survivor of sexual assault, heads up a program called Set the Expectation and goes around to various college campuses, including Mel Tucker's Michigan State program, to speak to the young men and players on the team about the role that men play in sexual assault and going out and trying to from that side of things as so often people focus uh, about the victim and try and put undue burden on people that are going through hell she goes and tries to be proactive with the young men and creating right a better environment overall on these college campuses and now has been faced with this these allegations that Mel Tucker was sending her gifts, was acting inappropriately on a phone call with Brenda Tracy without her consent. Now, uh, the university put out a statement. uh, Athletic director Alan Haller announced that Tucker's interim suspension Sunday night and said the university objectives have been and remain focused on conducting a fair, thorough, and unbiased investigation and allowing the processes to play out here. Mel Tucker, in a statement through his attorney, has come out and said that Brenda Tracy's allegations of harassment are completely false. I have no intention of allowing Miss Tracy's character assassinations to go unaddressed. So, Dad, Mel Tucker has come back out on the offensive in a way that I can't say I I would deem advisable, but just a sad, ugly situation around Michigan State football right now because of the admitted actions of a coach. Remember, Mel Tucker has said what she has accused happened here, but he claims that it was all consensual, but he does not deny a relationship that, especially among the workplace, seems deeply inappropriate. It, it unbelievably inappropriate. You brought in this young lady to explain to players, you know, sexual harassment, sexual assault, and and the issues of that. And well, and and, and Mel, this is going to be a he said she said, right? I mean, this is what it's going to be. You know, there's talks about a, a phone call, kind of a sexual phone call that that he said is completely mutual. That she sent pictures, provocative pictures, and it was a 36-minute phone call uh, that that 
she uh, he said she initiated the discussion that night sent me a provocative picture of the two of us together suggested what she may look like without clothes and never once during the 36 minutes did she object in any manner much less hang up the phone so that's his side her side is basically saying, no, that's not it. She uses the acronym DARVO, which stands for Deny, Attack, and Reverse Victim and Offender. So this is going to be a he said, she said. And I believe in this case, Mel Tucker is going to lose. I believe in this case, Mel Tucker is going to be fired. Mel Tucker signed that 10, no, November 21st of 20, or November of 21, he signed a 10-year, $95 million deal, which a lot of people scratched their head about. He was wanted by a few programs, but came back to Michigan State. And Michigan State, I believe, is going to fire him, and I think they're going to fire him with cause. And then, then they're going to work out that whole thing. But I, I just – the decision-making, Mike, as you said here, even, even if he said it was mutual and it was, seems like a really ill-advised you know, relationship to be having. Yeah, guys, I just want to point out, uh, Tucker's contract states he can be fired with cause if he engaged in any conduct with con which constitutes moral turpitude or which in the university's reasonable judgment would tend to bring public disrespect, contempt, or ridicule. So the way I see this, even if, you know, like I believe women and what she's saying, and she's saying this was not consensual, but even if it was consensual, he's having phone sex with a woman who he has a professional relationship with. So you're already doing something that's going to bring about disgrace to the university. That's cause alone. Yeah, I, Jesse, I think that's a great point yep. is yep. the decision making that led to this moment is already in and of itself something worthy of scrutiny, something worthy of punishment and something that Michigan State can use to fire this man with cause. But you're right. This goes ultimately back to the point. And Dad, she mentioned the Darvo side of things, the response that we see here and the continued difficulty for victims to come forward and have their side heard. There's been, a, I think, renewed conversation and renewed vigor around believing victims about hearing right. these accounts yep. and not just having this response of pushing them away and turning it into this back and forth right now. And so we will wait and see how this plays out from the university side. But again, uh, I, I just want to, again, point out, set the expectation, the nonprofit organization that she heads dedicated to ending sexual and interpersonal violence through preventative work with men, advocacy and engagement with agencies, serving survivors and their families. That is the woman you brought into your program to help the young men on your team be better. And then this, as the example and as the head of the program, is what you put out there with your actions and behavior after the fact does seem like a head scratcher all the way around in the worst possible ways. And so we will wait to see the results of this, Dad. So I, I guess a couple of things as, as we, we kind of wrap this one up is if if it in fact was consensual or, or if it wasn't, if, if it was not consensual, then this is a no brainer. This is an absolute no brainer of what's going to happen. And I think it's going to happen anyway, to, to Jesse's point. But there will be those that say, hey, if this was a consensual relationship, they're two adults that they should be allowed to have a relationship. But to Jesse's point, this was on a professional side, right, of what she was brought in for to do to talk about. Then he then tried to start a relationship, or as he said, they had a mutual relationship doing. So while, yes, they are two, they are two adults, and if it was consenting, there still has to be of what kind of relationship what, because there will be people that will that will, will beat the, the, the horse of saying, 
They're, they should be able to have a relationship. They're two consenting adults, Jesse. There, there will be people that will say that. But in the professional realm of where this was, I, you can absolutely see how it was inappropriate. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I mean, there are always going to be people to argue for both sides of things. But I, I think the bottom line I still go back to is to put yourself in a position to be implicated along the very same lines as the thing that you brought this woman in to seemingly help prevent with your team and the young man, men in your program. When we hear all the time in college athletics, we sell these people as leaders of men. We sell them as builders of young people on these campuses here. And then to go out here and have these be the actions reflected back, it just seems befuddling all the way around. Really sad situation playing out for Michigan State. And what's also interesting, and this is the side of the football side, this is way more important, obviously, but remember, this, this, the university knew about these claims since last December. Last December, that's when Tracy filed the formal complaint to the school's Office for Civil Rights. There was an independent investigator who was hired, and they got the report in late July. So this was filed in December. The report came in late July, recommending the school hold a hearing to determine whether Tucker violated the university's sexual misconduct policy. That, that took a while. And certainly you want the investigation to be thorough. But boy, oh boy, from the, the player side of it, you know, and there is there is ancillary things, right? There is a domino effect here of man, this late in the game to find this out. And now, you know, I believe at this point, it's going to be Harlan Barnett, the defensive back coach, that's going to be the interim coach, how this from the football side of it and the player side of it um, get, gets kind of messed up. This investigation definitely took a long time. I'll repeat, it's more important to get to the bottom of this investigation and the charges and everything like that. But the domino effect, Mike, of this is, boy, a, a team that, that had this hanging over their head and then now is without a head coach. I mean, the governor is commenting on it. She's coming in being like, this just became made public? Like, it's just been out of the public eye? And and I will say this, Dan Murphy over at ESPN, who's done a lot of the reporting around this, said that after tonight's press conference, they knew there were complaints against Mel Tucker in late December. They didn't know any details until last night. And according to Title IX and sexual misconduct experts, this is proper trauma-informed protocol for how to handle this type of complaint. Tucker's bosses should not have known the details during an open case. And so Dan pointing out that much of what happened here has been by design. And this is always my plea in these cases. We do need to listen to the people who are experts in this area when it comes to Title IX and sexual misconduct who have been dealing with these things for a long time and are going to be able to give and show everyone else proper protocol for these that keeps the alleged victims in mind and at the top of mind first and foremost in these conversations. We'll be back in a few moments here. It's Gojo and Golik on DraftKings Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 